He got them guests on the Rolodex, stopping by to talk about some Dynasty Superflex. Everybody, yo, commish is in. It's time to sit down to listen to John McGlynn. Yo, who we trading, who we fading, who we getting off the squad? Knowledge never overrated, playing for number one. And yo, McGlynn is in. It's time to let the fun begin. It's the Commissioner Evaluation Podcast with John McGlynn. Welcome to the Commissioner Evaluation Show and Podcast. Uh, my name is John McGlynn. You can find me on Twitter machine at X machine at John McGlynn 75. Uh, we are in part three of a four-part series of offensive players, skill position players. We did the quarterbacks. We did running backs. Today we are doing wide receivers. And I have a fantastic co-host with the Mohost, JT. What's going on, brother? Pumped to talk about wide receivers. A good group this year and a good group coming in. Uh, wide receiver feels like it's taking over dynasty football. If you don't have good wideouts, you're out. So, uh, yeah, I'm happy to do a, kind of re-look at the season, see who was good, who we were disappointed on, and uh, look into the future seasons. It's pretty funny because last year's wide receiver core felt like it was a bunch of like five foot nine hundred and sixty pound kids, and now this year it's all these giant behemoths kids coming out of the, coming out of the draft. All these six foot three, six foot four, big stud receivers. So. It's going to yeah, be absolutely. fun. It's like the complete opposite. I agree with you, man. Everybody seems so undersized last year, and there was a hardly any big wide receivers. There's a ton of big guys this year. A ton of big dudes. Yes, absolutely. So it's going to be fun. A great mix. I love the influx, the changing at the wide receiver position. You know, I, I think right now Devonta Smith is probably my favorite receiver in the NFL. So uh, that just and he was supposed to be. You know the the slim reaper, the small Way guy too who can small, never do it. Everybody yeah. said, but yeah, I, I love how the the league is changing. Where these guys, you know, at five nine, five ten, one seventy five, one eighty, can use their speed and athleticism and make it in the league. You know, the, those guys kind of got pushed out uh, in the past, and with some of the rule changes and stuff, that's you know that size isn't killing you anymore. There's no, a lot of those guys that are being real successful, and I love seeing it. Especially because you can't hit these defenseless receivers anymore, and it's like they're free to catch. They they're better route runners. It's not just running down a side. You know, back in the day when we were kids, it was just two big receivers on the outside. They would just go jump balls all the time. It would be mm-hmm. seven step drops and Dan Marino or you know uh, you know or John Elway or guys just you know Elway was different. I guess he had the three amigos, so it was a little bit different. But so many other uh, so many other players that were just big. Big, strong, fast guys who would run down feel like a deer and you know catch the ball and a jump ball. You know, all those highlight films were nothing but Lynn Swan and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was uh, it's changed a lot. So let's let's get to these. We're using the Mighty McGlynn scoring leagues, our my, our home league that me and JT are in that I run. I'm the commissioner of. We use our scoring system for the wide receivers. It's only a half point wide receiver PPR, which I think we, we've tiered it so it's a half point for the wide receivers a full point for running backs and a, a one 1.5 for tight ends so it was a big premium for uh tight ends receiving the ball but for the receiving scoring it's half point reception every 10 yards is one full point receiving touchdowns are six points receiving first downs are a half point two point two point conversions are are two points uh 50 yard touchdown bonus is two points um and for the combination uh, bonuses 199 receiving game is four points 200 yard receiving po- game is eight points um which happens the, so that's why there's uh, obviously there's other scoring metrics that people can use but you're not going to use 300 points that, that's never going to happen probably in the NFL. i'll never say never but uh 
200 yards combined rushing and receiving yards. So there's a handful of uh, players who get, you know, 80 yards, you know, receiving and 25 yards rushing. That's an extra three points if you get that. And then um, that's about it for the major scoring for the wide receiver position. So, but we, this is a lot of scoring. It's a pretty high scoring league. Um, uh, receivers seem to be like one of the least, one of the, uh, the less scoring positions. And I like it that way because there's so many more wide receivers it just kind of evens everything out. So I'm good with that. I like, I like running back scoring. A lot. I like everybody scoring a lot, but I, I just feel like, when you have receivers scoring so much, I don't want to have the first two rounds be nothing with wide receivers. I want it to be yeah. a lot of running backs. So, because because running backs don't last, so I want them to filter through so much more. And you see, they're they're replaceable. Last couple of years, running back position is just nothing but replaceable. So, it's it's and receivers stay around so much longer. So you can kind of just grab them, set it and forget it kind of deal. And uh, we'll get to some of those guys now who are set it and forget it. So the MVP for the league this year, I think anyway, is Ceedee Lamb. Uh, he's my wide receiver one in dynasty. Uh, I, I think he's just, uh, he's just so good. Him and Dak combination is absolutely fantastic. 415 fantasy, wonderful fantasy ball points from CD lamb this year, led the league in our scoring system. Yours might be different, but CD lamb was an actual beast in, uh, the babies and boomers. John McGlynn, my, uh, mighty McGlynn home league. So JT, do you agree with me? CD lamb, the, uh, the, um, MVP for our league this year. I, I CD Lamb was an absolute beast this year. I thought he had a great season. We have been on the same page for MVP on every for the QBs and the running back so far. This is the first one I'm going uh opposite of you on this. I do think CD Lamb was great, but for me, MVP was Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill was an absolute beast. He was winning you weeks. Uh, Lamb had a big end of the season, so if you had him in the playoffs, he definitely helped you there. Uh, him and Tyreek Hill were neck and neck all year in points, whether first or second. Uh, so he had a big end of the season that bumped him ahead of Tyreek. He had 415 points. Tyreek had 402. So, I mean, a 13 points difference. It was He was right there with him. Uh, but for me, Tyreek Hill was the MVP this year. Just such a just such an unreal year. Uh, broke 400 points for the first time in his career. Uh, he had 119 catches, which matched matched last season. Had almost 1,800 yards. Just missed it by a yard as he was trying to get that NFL record for yards. But really, the the difference to me this year for him, he was great last year. It's almost identical stats, but he had seven touchdowns last year. 13 touchdowns this year so just an absolute monster year uh for Tyreek I mean he was pretty much wide receiver one almost every week he missed one game with injury I, I think that was the big difference maker for him or he would have finished his wide receiver one and he might have broke the NFL record for receiving yards if he did uh actually get to play in that uh, game against the Jets uh but he was wide receiver one or wide receiver two numbers all season long um, just an absolute fantastic uh, year for him. Tyreek was my guy. Yeah, Chris B says hard to argue against either of those cats. I cannot argue against either of those cats because uh, I, I like them both. I, I think the, the develop Tua first half of the season, you noticed a difference, something different with Tua this year. Not that he became a better quarterback, but that he was throwing the ball earlier and hitting guys like Tyreek Hill in stride instead of having. Tyreek Hill had to come. You saw the last game uh, where the only the only touchdown against the Chiefs where Tyreek Hill had to come back. It looked like the old Tua. He reverted back to himself uh, last year's self because 
Tyreek this year, Tyreek was in stride having to catch up to the ball, which he can do because he's the cheetah. Uh, it was like a three-step drop and just let it go. And Tyreek was just smoking the defender. Any DB was just left in dust, man, from Tyreek. He was having a magical season until he, uh, you know, tweaked his foot a little, tweaked his ankle a little bit in that in that game uh, against the, the Titans. But yeah, and I think that was the difference. Right? I mean, I, he had an unbelievable season. He tweaked his ankle in that Tennessee game, missed the second half of that, missed the Jets game, and then he was solid. And you hate to even say this, solid the last three games, uh, but he just didn't put up the numbers he put up the whole previous season up to that point. I mean, he's still, you know, solid numbers, but he was wide receiver 20, wide receiver 30, wide receiver 12 the last three weeks with only one touchdown. I mean, I'm counting nine catches for 99 yards and no touchdowns as an okay week. So that tells you what, how, how <laughs> dominant he was this year when that was one of his like worst weeks of the season. Uh, he was just great. Started off the year, just phenomenal 11 catches, 215 yards and two touchdowns, 53.5 points for us a week one against the Chargers. And he was just off on a roll from there. Uh, just phenomenal year from the Cheetah. The Cheetah. Only three games with less than with under um, nine reception, nine targets uh, against Buffalo, who, you know, they have a good defense. It's not surprising to see that. And then Tennessee, where he got hurt. And then against Washington, where, uh, another situation where he only played. They were um, smoking him, so he didn't play very much because he right. had five for a hundred. He only had seven <laughs> targets that game, but he had five catches for 157 yards and two touchdowns. Right. So uh, I think he was uh, plenty good on that one. And that was it. Other than that, he just absolutely destroyed wide receiver run the rest of the season. So it was yeah. fantastic. He, so he, he smoked. He he was in the top uh, five. I think it was uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He had nine uh, weeks out of uh, 17 that he was either he was top five. Almost all those he was top three other than one week. He was sixth, and he still had 27 points that week. So, uh, so yeah, just a just dominant performance. Uh, but like you said, C.D. Lamb, I think this was a year he finally did what everybody thought he could do. He finally became the guy that everybody said he could be. Um, he was on the other side. He got off to a little bit of a slow start uh, to this year. And then, man, once that bye week hit, he went nuts. 42.6 against the Rams, 12 catches, 158, two touches in week eight after the bye. And then he was smoking after that. He was in the top 10 uh, basically every week. He only had three weeks that he wasn't. And even in those weeks, he scored 15, 16, 9, and 17, 2. So, uh, you know, he he smoked down at the end of the year. And what passed him up with the Cheetah for first place was that monster game against Detroit in week 17. 13 catches, 227 yards and a touchdown. Absolute beast. 49.8 points uh, that week. And then he had the 13 catches for 98 and two touchdowns in the finale against Washington um, where he had 31.6 points in that. So those two just absolute monster weeks to end the year where when uh, Tyreek was still dealing with a little injury and he had a couple down weeks for him is what Lamb let Lamb pass him up for overall. But for me, because of consistency all year, Tyreek was my guy. As, as Tyreek was never in single digits, uh, Lamb had two games in single digits. Uh, no hate on him as he had a great season. Phenomenal. I think he led the league in receptions overall. I mean, just 
absolute monster. What he, I think he had 100, 135 catches, 1,700 yards, had about 50 yards less than uh, Tyreek, uh, and he was a monster in the end zone with 12 touchdowns. So just absolute beast of a season for him. As a lifelong Dolphins fan, I'm like I, mostly because of Dan Marino. You know, I'm a Dolphins fan. Uh, my kids are Dolphins fans now, and it's kind of hard because I'm a Josh Allen fan. Josh Allen's kind of like Dan Marino with legs. You know, that's that's about the only difference I see with them guys. But I I, re, I was rooting for Tyreek to break this record, and it really sucks that he's injuries, a small little nagging injury. Like, but when you're a finely tuned, well oiled machine like Tyreek Hill that is just built for speed. Any little like the little things like that. I mean, he overcame a couple. A couple like it looked like he pulled a hamstring one going week. A, a calf injury. He overcame all those. But when when you're when when your wheels aren't working the same because of an injury like that, you're just not the same player. And and and, and Tyreek was good, but he would have broke that record for sure if he was healthy the entire season. So just a couple. A couple games were were. It, I, I think he could have got to two thousand if he wouldn't have gotten yes. nicked up uh, the last three, four games of the year, you could tell he wasn't a hundred percent. And also that kind of coincided with the dolphins falling apart at the end of the year. You could tell, I mean, he was that team MVP bar none. We've talked about MVPs and other shows, how it's usually a quarterback award. I have touted CMC, I think should win uh, the award as a running back. I think he should be the MVP, but I tell you what, who would be second in my voting for MVP this year, it would be Tyreek Hill. When he was healthy, that Dolphins team was a totally different team. Uh, he made that team go. Uh, he would be my guy. He would be second in MVP voting for me this year over a quarterback uh, with the type of season he had. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I agree with you on that for sure. Uh, so they, our scoring system for our leagues, we have uh, – I, I kind of I already went over this, the scoring itself, but here's how the top 12 players panned out in our league. Cedar Land led the league in their scoring with 415 points. Now, we like to have points in, the, in our leagues. Even, even with half PPR, still 415 points. Tyreek Hill, 402. And then a big drop, like 60 points less. Amon Ross St. Brown was 343. Puka Nakua, 312. A.J. Brown, uh, 298. Uh, D.J. Moore, 296, which was a nice surprise. Keenan Allen killed it, 278. Mike Evans, 278. Another big producer. Uh Brandon Ayuk, 269. Stephon Diggs, 267. Jamar Chase, 266 due to some injuries. Nico Collins, big surprise right there. So, uh, as far as these top 12 finishes are concerned. I'll say, John, you jump into your surprise player because, you know, Nico top 12, I know you were were pumped about the season he had and the fact that he jumped all the way to the top 12 uh, was pretty huge. Uh, Yeah, Nico just – I tried to trade for Nico – in, in like probably uh, uh, probably five or six of my leagues and just got denied because I didn't offer enough. And I had no idea that he was going to just explode the way he did. And he had a couple of injuries later in the season too. But man, Nico is someone who everybody, the last couple of years, everybody knew Nico was good. He just, it, it was just the, the the quarterback play or the team, you know, the, 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 the team chemistry or injuries. And Nico just did not pan out. And now all of a sudden he's got a quarterback. Boom. Wow. This is the Nico we thought we were going to get the last couple of years. And here he is, and and talk about talk about like not, I mean, not being surprised, but also being pleasantly surprised. Nico was just that guy this year when he broke out with, with that forty point performance, like in week in week four versus the Steelers. I'm like, shit, there goes my buying window. It's over now, you know. Uh, yeah, that I mean that was a monster performance against the Steelers. I mean, he looked phenomenal. 
I mean, talking about a third-year guy, you know, I, I know everyone loves to see that rookie breakout. Everyone just blow up right at the beginning. It doesn't always happen. Sometimes you got to give these guys some time. And like you said, he didn't have a quarterback his first couple of years. So uh, played 14 games as a rookie, 10 games as a, a second-year player, 15 games this year as he missed two with injury. But, man, the difference. He went from 77 points as a rookie, 88 points as a second-year player, to 266 points this year. He went from wide receiver in the 80s, low 80s, high 70s, all the way up to a top 12 guy. Just a great performance this year for him. Went from 60 targets both of his first two years to 109 this year. 80 catches, 1,300 yards, 16.21 yards per catch, three yards better than he ever had in his career coming in, and he went from three total touchdowns in his first two years to eight touchdowns this season. Just finally, Nico doing what so many people thought he could do coming out of Michigan, just great year. Man, with C.J. Stroud strapped to him, huge upside the next couple years for Nico Collins. And then you get guys like Puka Nakua, who I, you know, everybody, Puka Nakua was a name that was thrown around a lot of uh, rookie drafts last year, you know, kind of like, yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's good. Everybody knew he knew he was good, but just wasn't the guy, not the flashy guy, not the the big stats guy, not the, not the anywhere near the superstar that he became. I mean, breaking all the records, the rookie records this year. I mean, he's in the top. 10 probably like some people's like top five for dynasty wide receivers right now what when you thought when when you drafted this season and, and puka naku was on a draft board somewhere where, where were you were you just like oh yeah okay he's gonna just be somebody uh, somebody you would have never thought that he was gonna be almost he'd be better a better no. receiver on his uh, the best receiver on his own team oh, yeah I, never i mean i i liked him as a late round flyer i was a fourth fifth round guy on him in certain leagues i thought he was a guy that was talented coming out of uh, college. Uh, he went to BYU. People forget he really was a high recruit at Washington and then transferred to BYU. Uh, so he was a little bit, you know, under the radar being at BYU. But man, I, I thought he would be solid just because I thought there was not a lot of wideouts behind Cooper Cup for the Rams. So I thought the landing spot was great. So that was one of the reasons I liked him. I had no idea he would do the type of things he did. I mean, he came out week one. 10 catches, 119 yards in week one at Seattle. to be wide receiver nine in his rookie debut, 23.9 points. If you thought that was a joke, he came right back in week two, 15 catches, 147 yards against San Francisco when the top defenses in the league, 31.3 his second week. So already, you know, 55 points. His first two games in the league, it's unbelievable. And 30, then he just kept it going. 35 targets in the first two weeks of the season. Just Stafford <laughs> came out throwing the football. And they were just, people were all over Cooper Cup. People were not ready for him. And Stafford just peppered him with the ball. I mean, just hit him. I mean, you look at the year, not until the final game of the season did he have less than seven targets in a game. I mean, that's unbelievable for a rookie. Seven targets. He had seven targets in six games. 
Not until the last game of the year did he have less than seven targets. And he was at 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 in a bunch of games. Like you said, the first two games of the year, people started figuring out, oh, we better start covering this guy. When he had 15 in game one and 20 in game two, yeah. This is the time of year when usually the rookies are starting to get targets so they can see what they got in their, in their players. And this is that's when he slowed down towards the end of the season. I don't even see he slowed down. I mean, 164 yards versus New Orleans, who usually has a pretty good defense. But, uh, you know, 118 yards versus the Giants. He's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games over 100 yards. I mean, that's for a rookie that's i mean obviously he broke all the records we know that now but that's absolutely amazing well and he made plays in big moments too it wasn't like he was just getting garbage yards at the end of games everybody's playing prevent defense and he's just getting obsessed i mean when they beat the colts in a huge comeback game by the colts by the way he ended up with nine catches 163 yards and a touchdown in that game 34-3 and he caught the game winner in overtime I mean, just huge catch in that game. Uh, You know, so he was making, you know, big plays all year, but impactful plays. Hey, look at me. We're talking about a big play player. He was a wide receiver. Well, I guess he wide receiver one because of the playoffs. But against Detroit in their playoff match, he had 10 targets for nine yards, 181 yards and a touchdown. That's, yeah. I mean, 181 and a touchdown in his first playoff game. That's amazing. Like, are you kidding me? I mean, the guy is an absolute beast. And now you know why on X and everywhere else and YouTube and every podcast, people are like, is this guy top five dynasty? Is he at least top 10? I mean, he's in the conversation because, I mean, it's it's hard to argue against anything he did this year. Yeah. No surprise that he surprised everybody. I mean, it, it is what it is. He was fantastic. Who's your big surprises this year? Uh, yeah, let me jump on my guys. Sorry. Uh, for me, these are guys that I've got two guys and they were both good players. Everybody liked them. They were drafted fairly high. So it wasn't like they were surprising that they were good in fantasy, but the breakout, what they were able to do is what really shocked me. First one was DJ Moore. We just talked about DJ. I mean, the guy finished in the top five or six, depending on your league scoring, was top five or six in scoring. He was a guy that everyone always talked about, like, what would DJ do with a real quarterback? What could DJ do if he actually had someone coming out and just slinging the ball? Because he had played with just such horrible quarterback play his whole career. He ends up coming out on the Bears, looks great. Justin Fields gets hurt. They go to a D2 undrafted you know, rookie QB. And the guy still performs. He ends up just getting under 300 yards in our league this year. 96 catches, 1,300 yards, both career highs, and eight touchdowns, which is also a career high. Just absolute awesome performance for DJ. To me, everybody knew he was a top-end wide receiver, but this solidified him as a go-to guy, an elite wide receiver one for the whole year. I mean, if you thought you were wondering, you know, what kind of wide out who would be week four against Denver, he showed you eight catches, 131 and a touchdown for 30.1 points. And then came back against Washington in week five and had his biggest game of the year. That absolute blistering performance, eight catches, 230 yards and three touchdowns in that game. Single handedly 
you know, led the Bears in that game. Just an absolute great year for him. And like I said, he dealt with, you know, a backup QB uh, partly through the season there. Um, had some tough uh, games near the end of the year as he was a little bit banged up. But I just absolute great year for DJ Moore. And I think if Justin Fields can keep improving as a QB or if they move Fields and go with, you know, a Caleb Williams at 1-1, I, I think DJ Moore – despite whatever happens there, I think he's proven he's wide receiver one for the foreseeable future. I'm a huge DJ Moore fan, but look at, I mean, his highs are highs, but his lows, 25 yards receiving in week one, 50, he had multiple games, like just under 60 yards, multiple mm-hmm. 18 yards in week 16. I mean, there, there's some highs. And I think some, some of those, lows, and, but I think the lows, lows were a lot of that was scheme. I just think some of those games, the Bears were not even looking to get him the ball. Uh, I don't, I don't think it was a DJ Moore is just disappearing act. I think it was more play calling those types of things. So he did have some low lows. I agree with you, some single digit games this year. But man, uh, you know those games that he wasn't good, nobody was good for the for the Bears. So, uh, but I just for for me to see the absolute breakout that everyone thought he was going to be was going to be him for the whole six years of his career i think he finally showed it uh this year so he was my number one uh surprise my second surprise another guy that's a high-end highly rated uh wide receiver michael Pittman for the indianapolis Colts. a lot of people left him for dead this offseason they just kind of thought qb problems are an issue He's going to struggle. He's not worth it. He's not going to be a wide receiver one. And people kind of were out on Pittman. He ended up finishing 17th in our league in scoring. He had, uh, you know, a ton. He ended up with 233 points on the year. He played 16 games, uh, set career highs all around. And this is with Gardner Minshew, the backup QB, most of the season, you know, thrown in the football. He ended up with 109 catches, 1,100 yards. And the biggest thing, he only had four touchdowns. If he could have had, if he would have had more in that eight touchdown range, I mean, he jumps up quite a few spots and he gets a lot closer to the top 12. If he gets a couple more touchdowns, he's right there with Nico Collins, uh, Debo Samuel, and uh, Devontae Smith. Or excuse me, Devontae Adams. So he, I, I just think. AR is a guy that's going to improve and improve. And I think if Pitting, if the Colts bring him back, I think he's going to stay as that as a guy that's right on that verge of a wide receiver one, a high end wide receiver two. If he leaves, depending on the situation, I think wherever he goes, I still think he is going to be a super productive guy. Uh, for what you could buy him for in the offseason, he, I, to me, I felt like he way outperformed expectations uh, for the cost it was to acquire him in the offseason. So yeah. those, those, those were my guys. Um, it's funny. I mean, I'll give you one. I'll give you one more just because I, I got to throw my guy in there. George Pickens. No, no surprise to me. I thought Pickens was a stud. I thought he was going to have a breakout year. You know, he was getting trashed in the offseason. People are like, he can't separate. This guy is, you know, he, he is not a, a top end wide receiver. He's not the guy people were like, get rid of him. I was trying to require, uh, acquire him everywhere. Despite questionable QB play the entire season, he finished his QB 20. He had over a thousand yards receiving this year. He had five touchdowns, even with the, you know, on the field antics kind of being disgruntled people being like, what's wrong with him? He showed he has just 
unbelievable hands. The guy makes crazy hard catches. He makes catches in traffic, uh, makes catches deep down the sideline. If he can keep it together mentally, if he can grow up and mature a little bit, I think this guy is a legit wide receiver one. I heard him getting trashed all offseason saying this guy is a waste. You know, you he overdrafted. Don't take him. I don't want him. I, I just think he answered a lot of those those haters uh, this offseason. I think if he can put it together mentally and not lose it, I think he's a guy that has just a monster upside for the Steelers. And for him finishing as a top 20 wide receiver, I just thought in an offense that struggled all year to score, I thought was phenomenal. Yeah, these are both. It's funny because I just heard Michael Pittman being mentioned on a lot of shows as a uh, buy low candidate right now. And even though he finishes wide receiver 15 in our league, it's uh, to be called a buy low when all Pittman did this year is uh, is is kind of ironic. Is I, I he think is he just not he has not gotten respect. I just right. don't understand. The guy has been good. He had almost all, he had 99 catches for almost 900 yards last year when the Colts were a complete debacle. I mean, they were a complete and utter debacle at QB, and he still almost had 100 catches and 1,000 yards. So if you get this guy with a quarterback that is legit playing well, this guy's an absolute weapon. So I think he's highly underrated. I still don't think the fantasy community or the league in general has caught up to how good this guy is. Anybody who's a Colts fan, if you get on Twitter, you read the message boards, you everyone's like, you have to resign him. I mean, I haven't seen a single person that doesn't say absolutely pay up. He is worth it. We got to keep him because that's how good I think Colts fans know he is. So which players I'll, I'll let you start here because I know these ones are kind of, uh, you know, I don't really, my guys disappointed me, but I'm not a huge fan of them. Like you are who, which, which players disappointed you this year? So we'll, we'll go to an, uh, an ex Steeler, One of my all time favorite wide receivers, a guy, I've absolutely loved his whole career. Juju Smith-Schuster went to the Patriots after a pretty good, solid bounce-back year for the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl last year, Super Bowl champion. I was shocked the Chiefs didn't re-sign him. They let him go to New England. I thought New England, you know, despite them not being a great place for wide receivers, I thought he would have a pretty solid year just because they didn't have a lot of options. And man, he was miserable this year. He struggled with injuries all year, seemed like he was nicked up. He basically became unplayable. I mean, you thought he was going to be wide receiver, wide receiver one or two. Nothing, nothing. He had one wide receiver two game this year, one. Career lows all around. He finished around wide receiver 100. Oh, Oh, and I've got Juju on a million teams. He he was a guy I was trying to hope that I could get a decent price, and he is a guy that has just plummeted in dynasty value. I mean, you look at three years ago. This guy's a first round pick in dynasty. Right. He he. I mean, he's being drafted in the late teens now. I mean, it's just the the career arc is unbelievable. Hopefully, he can get healthy in the offseason and put it back together, and the Patriots can get. Uh, a good quarterback to go with him because he's got a three-year deal there. But, man, he's got to have a big bounce back here because he was just dreadful this year. If his name wasn't Juju Smith-Schuster, he would have been dropped in a lot of leagues. Right. If he didn't have that Patrick Mahomes season, like, we, yeah, if he would have stayed – if he would have just stayed with the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs would have been better off, first of all. But Juju would have been a much better player. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, he had some uh, outstanding years for the Steelers. 
um, you know, was just absolute, you know, lightning in a bottle playing opposite AB, you know, those couple years of Antonio Brown, he was amazing. AB left. He struggled a little bit, had some injury played years, uh, but it was still really, really productive. And to see him not even be, I thought he would at least be a wide receiver three this year. I didn't think he would be unplayable and he was unplayable. Right. Uh, so, uh, my other guy, I'll jump in real quick to uh, for you, real quick before you jump in, here, guys. My other guy is Traylon Burks, Tennessee Titans wide receiver. Uh, everybody expected kind of he struggled his first year, uh, with the Titans. He was a guy that a lot of people thought had a ton of ability, but would need some time to grow. Didn't come out of a very advanced system at Arkansas, so people are like, he's gonna need a little time. And I like Traylon Burks coming out, uh, I was a fan of his. Everybody kind of thought maybe this is the year, year two, he's going to break out a little bit. Didn't happen. Uh, just he was banged up all year, never seemed healthy. And then on top of that, you never really saw any signs of improvement over his rookie year. Right. So the massive question mark is surrounding him going into next season. You know, what can he be? How long are the Titans going to give him to perform? But he's a guy that needs to step up and step up soon. Will Levis, if he's the starter next year, which I assume he will be for the Titans, they're going to need him opposite DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, they're going to need him to step up. Uh, he's a guy I like, I think, has the ability. But, man, he has not shown it these first two years. And if he doesn't do something early in 2024, everyone's going to be bailing on him. I can, it, It's it's going to get ugly. Uh, U-G-L-Y, ugly. So – I'm going to talk about disappointments now. Uh, one person I was super disappointed with was Elijah Moore. I, when he went to the Browns, I figured this is it. He's got a great opportunity right in the middle of the field. Deshaun Watson is going to be peppering him across the middle of the field. And it ended up being David Njoku was like this, the team savior this year. Like 1.1 yards per route run for Elijah Moore this season. Like, I, I don't get it. Like, what what happened? I, how did this guy go from being – probably one of the most coveted, like, you know, he left the Jets after a shitty season. He had a good rookie season. Then he threw a temper tantrum. He left the Jets, and then it – I figured that he had just – it was a new opportunity, new faces, new system. And, man, I just – you ended up being, like, wide receiver 55 in, in, in the league we play in as far as scoring is our concern. It's uh, – for where you drafted him at, I think people I, – I, and I, don't get me wrong. I think his long-term career will probably be, you know, pretty good. Maybe he just hasn't, like, broken out yet, but – he shows flashes, and he's just, it's just not happening. And I expected so much more from Elijah Moore this year. I, I don't uh, I don't know where things went wrong, and I, I hope they when, when Watson comes back in a full off season together, uh, getting their game back on track, that that something go that something just kind of clicks with these guys. But I don't I don't see it right now. I'm not I'm not sure what the hell happened. And Jahan Dotson is my other one. Like, how many people spent? a lot of draft capital, a lot of players to get Jahan Dotson this year and figured that he's going to be someone that pans out or, you know, was going to be possibly the wide receiver one on the commanders. And man, he just looked terrible this year. What happened to Jahan Dotson? Sorry. Uh, Dotson was a guy I had a ton of. I was, I loved Sam Howell. I'm a McLaren guy. I thought Dotson was due for a big breakout this year. I had a couple uh bets on him. Uh, for overs this year, and man, did he disappoint for a team that threw the ball as much as they did. Number one in the league in pass attempts was the Washington Commanders, and for him to have 
just a very okay second season. He only played 12 games as a rookie. He played all 17 games this season and actually scored 10 points less. That's how big of a disappointment Johan Dotson was this year. Killed me. He had 22 more targets than he did as a rookie. Ended up with only 14 more receptions, five less yards. His yards per catch went from almost 15 down to 10. I mean, and he I... went from seven touchdowns to four. They had the preseason over under touchdowns at four and a half. I was on it with a bunch of Washington fans I know. They're like four and a half. He had seven as a rookie. He's going to be a beast this year. We were all over the four and a half touchdowns. Of course, he goes blank down the stretch, ends with four. We all lose by a half a half a touchdown. Touchdown short. He just was unbelievably disappointing this year as he went the last six games without a touchdown. He did not score in double digits. And this is, mind you, with your scoring system, in a regular <laughs> half-point PPR league, he wouldn't even score. He scored double digits in week 11, never scored double digits again the rest of the year, and that was 10.3. In a regular half-point PPR league, he didn't get the double digits. His two good weeks of the year back-to-back -back was week 8 against Philly, where he had 27.3 points. His only breakout game of the year, wide receiver, one performance, Eight catches, 108 yards on a touchdown. Only game he broke 100 yards on the year, and he didn't have more than five catches in any other game other than that game. And then the game after it, he had uh, against New England, he had 15.4 points, four catches, 69 yards on a touchdown. That was his second best performance of the season. He went under double digits, I think it was 14 times. Yeah. He was in single digits this year. Absolute catastrophe. At the end of the year, they looked like they lost all confidence in him, weren't even going to him. Uh, it, it, I don't know what happened. Hopefully he has a bounce back year three. But, man, I, I thought he was going to be a sneaky, sneaky pick this year. And he actually was worse in almost every category as a second-year player than as he was as a, as a rookie. Well, I... Uh... Let's move it on because those are some disappointing receivers, man. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, it's kind of depressing. Not going to lie. It is depressing. It is terrible depressing, but so let's, let's move on to some rookies that, you know, let's, let's make us smile a little bit this year. New Puka Nakua, 312 uh, fantasy, fantasy football points. Jordan Addison, big surprise, 212 fantasy football points. Jaden Reed, 209. Rasheed Rice, 199. Zay Flowers, 193. For a class that was going to be bad, Man, everybody talked of these. Oh, they're these midgets and these they're, they're so small and blah blah. These guys came out firing this year, man. I, I who surprised you as far as your wide receivers are, are concerned? Because I, I mean, for me, I, I have Tank Dell as my one of my biggest surprises, and he got hurt, and that's kind of like, ah, oh, but who, who surprised you? But, but Tank, but Tank was good. Let's talk about Tank for a second. Well, he didn't only 10 games, but he had 178 points. I think he ended up finished sixth or seventh in rookie scoring 178 points, but only played 10 games. That's 17 eight a game. Uh, he was a legend. He was a, I mean, people were kind of ripping them when they took him in the third round. And I think he poor people wrong. And you add him back in with, with Nico and CJ Stroud, all of a sudden, man, that Texas passing attack 
looks pretty good. Looks really good. I, next year is going to be when these guys all are together on the field. I, I, I'm looking really forward to the season next year for. And I'm still looking for a John Mechie breakout. I'd love to see John Mechie. He was a guy I thought might uh, step in this year a little bit with uh, kind of how the wide receiver crew was up in the air, but Nico took over. And I think Tank Dell kind of took his, his, you know, fire i think dell ended up being be that that spark that i thought Mechie would be so i'd love to see Mechie get in the mix uh next year i mean if he if Mechie could be anything he was as a as a player at alabama man that would be a great one two three punch uh with those three guys if Mechie can step it up and tank dell can get healthy and then nico just needs to do what he did this year and you know he'll be great he's a wide receiver one when i when when I tanked out like through the draft process, five ten one sixty two, I think what what yeah, measured that or something like that. It was I was like, you got to be kidding me! This guy's not. And they're like, are you pounding the table for Tank Dell? They needed him. He needed him to go to Houston. It, it is what it is. I'm like, why is this happening? Why would you sign a guy like this? This 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 guy who's what is he going to do? Is he get hurt the first time he catches the ball? It's like playing with a like a fourth grader, you know. And sure enough, bam! I mean, you got uh, John, not, not that John Netchy's huge, but I mean, he's he's bigger than Tank Dell. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, you got to you got to look at the Tank Dell finished thirty six in our league, so that would be wide receiver. We start three wide receivers, so he's a starting wide receiver on a twelve team league. He's a starting wide receiver. He's wide receiver three on your team. He finished thirty sixth ahead of Cortland Sutton, who I started every week in leagues I had ahead of Drake London, and ahead of Cooper Cup. Wow. That's where Tank Dell finished with only ten starts. Yeah, That's pretty freaking impressive, uh, if you ask me. I, I just great season. Talking about to go along with him, we talked about a little bit, but the size factor, he was super small. Another guy, a lot of people were out on because of his size was Jordan Addison. I yes. love Jordan Addison coming out of college. I thought he was great. He people saw his forty time. They're like, oh man, he's not as fast as I thought. He's 5'11", 175. He's a skinny dude. I mean, he's skinny and. People just were out on him. I I was never out on him. He was my wide receiver one in this class. I thought he would be great. I loved the Vikings landing spot. I thought he would be a great wide receiver two uh, next to Justin Jefferson. Now, Kirk Cousins doesn't get hurt. The type of season Jordan Addison could have had, who freaking knows? Because Cousins was on fire until he tore his Achilles. He was having the best year of his career. Right. Jordan Addison even with a small size. Now, granted, Justin Jefferson missed a lot of time with injury. Justin Jefferson in, in, finished 24th in our league with 213 points. Jordan Addison, 25th, 212 points. One point behind him. And now, again, Jefferson, obviously the injuries uh, held him back. But Jordan Addison, he was, a, he was a stud, man. He was a good player this year. He was consistently in that wide receiver two, wide receiver three range. So he was a starter every week. He only had a couple like, uh, like, I mean, he had, he had one or two just absolute like terrible games, but they were also with third string quarterbacks playing, you know? So, I mean, the, the fact that he was able to put up some monster games, you know, obviously the highlight was week seven against San Francisco, seven catches, 123 yards, and two touchdowns, 35-3 in that game. Uh, he also had a six-catch, 111-yard, two-touchdown game against Cincinnati in week 15. I think this guy has a ton of upside. I like Addison. He wasn't even on my list, but I had to talk about him. He was my number one guy last year, and I just think 
you know, he's just going to get better with Justin Jefferson on the other side. And if they can get Cousins to come back, I really like him. Now, I, to jump into my guys, I actually listed. Sorry, John, as I'm going <laughs> off a tangent like usual. <laughs> Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed was a guy I liked coming out. We didn't know where he'd be. He ended up finishing top 30 at wide receiver. He ended up being involved in every single way for the Packers as the year went on. They kept figuring out ways. To, he kind of reminded me of Debo Samuel with the Niners on how they just figured out different ways to get the ball in his hand was rushing, passing, reverses, whatever they could do. I think he, he's got wide receiver two potential written all over him. Uh, right now, he has a potential to possibly end up being the non, number one wide receiver on the Packers who have a really nice young wide receiving core. Um, the last eight weeks of the season, when Jordan Love really started to crank it up, he finished as a wide receiver one four times and a wide receiver two three times. Seven out of the last eight games, he was a wide receiver one or two. That's all I need to know about Jaden Reed. I mean, this right. great rookie year. No, I don't think anybody saw that coming. I liked him as kind of an underdog guy. He ended up finishing 26. He was right behind Jordan Addison in scoring, just had three points less. And I guarantee you, you got Jaden Reed a whole lot cheaper than you got Jordan Addison. And, and he is just, and he's, again, he's on a team where he's got a shot to end up being the number one for that team. 64 catches, 793 yards, eight touchdowns. They also gave him 11 carries for 119 yards and two touchdowns. John, you got him in the 12th round of this league. 12-0-3, baby. Steal for you. I mean, absolutely steal. You got him in the 12th round. Uh, in comparison, Jordan Addison went in the sixth, and they right. basically had the same amount of points this year. Yep. Guess who else I drafted in this in this league? Give it to me. He's your next player. Rasheed Rice. Another guy I loved. I have I took Reed and Rice in a bunch of leagues where I didn't have picks till like mid to late second round, early third round. Rice down the stretch really started to crank it up for the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes was needing somebody bad to fill in. Travis Kelsey really started to, to kind of slow down near the end of the season this year. The last six games for Rasheed Rice, he was a wide receiver one three times and a wide receiver two twice. Five out of the last six game wide receiver one or two. Him and Jaden Reed really started to turn up at the end of the season. I think those guys go in to next year's each of their teams wide receiver one entering camp without unless somebody does something crazy in the offseason and gets a big signing. I love both those guys going into year two. I thought they both could be good, but they they definitely exceeded expectations for me in year one. That was a great turn. I had 11, the end of the 11th round, I got uh, Rasheed Rice, and then the beginning of the 12th round, I got Jaden Reed back-to-back. That was a, a fantastic. fantastic. Yes, I was super happy with that. And I am I really like your rookie surprises here. I, I mean, there was a lot of surprise rookies this year, but – uh, those guys, I would have never thought they would have finished like where they where they ended up finishing. And it was so. a great class. I mean, we didn't even talk about like Zay Flowers, who had a really right. nice season for Baltimore. I mean, Josh Downs for the Colts. He was banged up, but he put up really solid numbers for the Colts as a third round pick. I mean, just this wide receiver class, we knew it was deep. We just didn't know how many high end guys there would be. But man, really solid. 
And that's not even talking about some of the top, top end guys. I mean, we didn't even talk about uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I mean, the number one drafted wide receiver in this class who had a very okay year for the Seahawks, but he was coming off a full year injury at Ohio State. And he was third on the on the pecking order there. I think he's got a ton of ability. I think he's got a ton of upside. I like where he's going to end up. And I'll hold off on the next guy because we're going to go to our disappointments, where, of course, we're going to talk about some more rookies uh, that were in their disappointments here. Uh, my number one disappointment is Marvin Mims. I When, I, when Marvin Mims, when I drafted him this year, uh, I was expecting a lot of – production from Marvin Mims just being a slot receiver. I just kind of figured that he'd have a lot of, a lot of, a lot more targets than he had. I didn't expect him not even to have playing time. I I, I expected something from him. He just, I, I can't believe that, 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 that they, they traded up to get him first of all. And a lot of times when, when, when a team would trade up to get somebody, you figured that that's going to be something that they're going to showcase and they were supposed to get rid of a receiver, possibly trade somebody away, which, you know, didn't happen. But I, I can't believe that Marvin Mims was only used as, as as slightly as he was used this year. I'm bringing up his stats right now, but I can't believe that Sean Payton, why would you trade up to, not, to, to a guy like that when you think you have something in him and he just, you don't even use him. He was on the bench a lot of, uh, a lot of the times behind other uh, other players, uh, like he was Jordan playing Humphrey. behind Brandon Johnson. He was playing out behind some random guys. I do. I agree with you 100. Little Jordan. Humphrey. This was a huge disappointment for me. I I just thought that was a great spot for him when Tim Patrick got hurt. I was like, oh no, Marvin Mims is exactly. in the mix because I thought Tim Patrick's gone. They've got Sutton. They got Judy. Originally, when he got drafted there, I'm like, oh, he's going to have a hard time seeing the field. But when Tim Patrick got hurt, I was like, oh, Marvin Mims time. Just seemed like John Payton hated him. I don't know what it was, but he just did not want to play him. They wouldn't get him touches. He only had 33 targets, 22 catches for 377 yards and one touchdown. Oh, there's two weeks in the season. If you put him on your, if you started him in your anywhere in your lineup, you would have lost points by just having him on your team. He had negative points in two games. Yeah, he had fumble, fumbles on returns. It's crazy. He had one game of five targets this year. Game three. So th- th- this this is how he started out the season. Game one, rookie. You don't expect anything. Two catches, nine yards on two targets. Game two against the Commanders. Two catches on two targets again, but instead of nine yards, 113 yards and a touchdown, a monster deep long touchdown that game finishes wide receiver 13 on two targets with 28 points. You're like, Ooh, here we go. Marvin Mims. Let's go week three. You're like, Ooh, more Marvin Mims. Five targets his most of the entire season. Week three ended up with three catches for 73 yards. Just missed the touchdown. Ended up with, uh, had a uh, run for three yards and had uh, a big return for a touchdown. He actually had a kick return. I think it was 99 yards in that game for a touchdown. So he ended up with 22.25 points. And you're like back to back 20 point season or 20 point weeks. Here we go. Marvin Mims. Then he just disappeared. Two targets again, two catches, 47 yards for seven points in week five, uh, four against Chicago. Then it was all over. One target 
in week five, fumbled the ball minus one, zero targets in week six, 1.5 points because of the special teams. One target in week seven, again, a fumble, ended up with negative points. Week eight, one target again, had a catch actually this game, first catch in three games, but it was for zero yards. Then one target again, zero catches. So in that four game span, he had four targets, two catches for four yards. Oh, his only other target killing you, just killing you. And then it didn't get much better the rest of the year. Three targets, two catches, 14 yards, three targets, two catches, 24 yards, two targets, one catch, five yards, three targets, two catches, 11 yards, two targets, zero catches. And then four targets in week 16, three catches for 63 yards in that game. His only other double digit performance of the year came in week 16 after the two 20 point performances in the first three weeks. And then one target, 16 yards in the last week of the season. I don't know what Denver was doing with him. I hope they figure it out in the off season or what he was doing to anger people. But man, he was used as a kick returner. And basically that was it after showing some really good promise early in the year. I got offered a 209 for Marvin Mims and I put it on Twitter as a poll. Like, what do you think? Cause I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to keep him." And everybody's like, dude, you got to reroll right now. He's terrible. If you can get a two point, if you can get a late second for him, get rid of him. I don't know about that, man. What would you think? You could have got- never sold him for a two nine at the beginning of the year. No, he would have been like, what do you know? Actually not two nine. Now I, maybe you could do it. I, I, I hate to give up on the talent. Right. This early. I mean, he's only 21 years old. So if you got to realize he came out as a 20 year, he's only 21. 5'11", 182. He showed he's got some speed. Guy's got some ability. I don't think I'm bailing on him just yet. I just don't think I can do it again. Yes, a lot of rookies had a monster year. So we're in this process where we're like, hey, he had a huge, everybody else had a huge year. Why didn't he? And that we want to just give up on him. I'm not giving up on him yet, but man, I I really hope we see some better usage next year. Absolutely. Who? Uh, how about you? Who disappointed you this year? Uh, big disappointments for me. I was on this guy as a disappointment. You were too. Neither of us liked him. Quentin Johnston, rookie out of TCU, went to the Chargers. I thought the Chargers should have drafted Jordan Addison. I thought it was a huge mistake by them going Quentin Johnston. Quentin Johnston, all kinds of injuries on the Chargers this year. I mean, up and down the wide receiving core. He had a million chances to get in earn targets, earn playing time. He finished his wide receiver 78, 78. So barely better than Marvin Mims, who was 108. So 78, he didn't eclipse 500 yards, which, you know, not getting 500 yards as a rookie is we've seen some pretty bad numbers on guys that can't get to the 500 yard mark as a rookie. He had three or less receptions in 14 games. I hate to make this comparison, but he is giving me crazy shades of Chase Claypool. And Chase Claypool was much better as a rookie than Quentin Johnson was before he tailed off and fell apart and now has been a cancer on every team he's on. But I just, I don't think Quentin Johnson is the cancer that Chase Claypool is just yet. But I am starting to see like Chase Claypool has <laughs> been traded from three, been on three different teams in the last year. That's how many times he's been traded. He had one wide receiver two game this year for Quentin Johnson, was finished around 100 and a lot of – I'm just – I to me, Quentin Johnson was a huge disappointment. I think he is way 
a lot farther behind than people thought of him coming out as a rookie. I just don't see it there. I just think he's too big of a project. He's a guy I don't want. If I got somebody that still believes in him, I'm moving him. Because to me, he's just, uh, he's, I just don't like it. I don't like what I see at all. Here's my notes that I have written down for him. Could could either light the world on fire or become Hakeem Butler. Has trouble catching contested balls. Doesn't have good contested catch rate. Has a Denzel Mims, Jalen Rager, JJ, JJ, Arcega Whiteside, or Terrace Marshall kind of feel to him. Those are what I had in my. Uh, John, you were dead on there. I think you were dead on with that assessment. I was in the same boat. He just, he's a guy, he, he wows you with his size and speed. You look at him and he just looks like a stud. And then he gets out there. And unless you just get him the ball in open space and let him run, he just doesn't do anything to get open. He can't go up. He doesn't high point the ball, which is my biggest knock on Claypool. A huge guy with a huge body. And he lets small DBs just rip it out of his arms because he doesn't jump up and extend his arms and go get it. Quentin Johnson does the same thing. Drives me insane. That's yeah. why I say he reminds me of him. So, I, yeah, totally out on him. I know you, me, take- you had him in a league, and we were desperately trying to trade him in a C2C league where before the season started because we're like, if he comes out and busts, we'll never get anything for him. So we were desperately trying to move him. If you took Tank Dell's heart and put it in Quentin Johnson's body, you'd have like the the best receiver ever. Oh my! Well, yeah. I mean, you take Tank Dell, who Tank Dell is, and you give him Quentin Johnson's body. Man, you got a freaking all star. Right. Uh, my second disappointment, another guy I was down on coming into the draft. I just didn't like what I saw at him. Was Jalen Hyatt, uh, the rookie out of Tennessee, went to the New York Giants. Another situation, just like Quentin Johnson, all kinds of injuries. Wide open wide receiver room there for the Giants. QB injuries, obviously, Daniel Jones hurt. They, you know, end up having to play Tyrod Taylor. Uh, DeVito had to play the rookie. He just never got in the mix. Never got in the mix this year, despite being a deep ball threat, which is what they really needed. He had zero, zero touchdowns this year. He had only one wide receiver two game this year, and he finished around wide receiver 100. Just, I didn't like it. I didn't think he had enough, you know, route free. I just thought he was going to be a guy that just ran deep and it was going to be, he was going to struggle. And that's what happened. Now, can he improve and be a better guy in the future? I think he's got a shot, but he was pretty much a just run deep and kept and run over the ball guy at Tennessee. Uh, and that's kind of what he turned into. I know I co own a, uh, a co commission or excuse me, co own a team, manage a team in one of my leagues where we came up really needing wide receivers in the second round of a team where we just were real, real shallow. And I, my cousin, uh, Kirk Purser was, was my guy. We were discussing Hyatt. He really wanted Hyatt. I was avidly against him. I did not want Hyatt at all. Hyatt ended up getting picked the pick in front of us. And I basically jumped for joy and we turned around and had two picks within three picks later in that second round. And we ended up getting Josh Downs and Jaden Reed, and I am ecstatic that we got those two guys over Jalen Hyatt. Jalen Hyatt, uh, lightning speed, but it cannot release. Has to be put in a slot because of his inability to separate. Like those are, you know, bigger corners bullied him around in college. Would rather have a target hog than a burner like Hyatt. Not fast. He can actually beat corners in the NFL on the outside, question mark would be good with a big arm quarterback like Josh Allen. Weak arm quarterbacks would kill his value, a.k.a. the Giants. 
So he's a uh, yep. one-trick pony, only runs a couple routes, you know, that kind of thing. He looked okay in some of the games this year. I'm not going to lie. He's definitely a disappointment, but there's some games where he showed flashes of being a pretty decent receiver, but not – I, it looked like he was he's like, hopefully he's, he can make that improvement year two. Like hopefully yes. he gets in there. They're able to work with him, you know, get going. Daniel Jones comes back healthy. He's going to be in the same spot. He was this year where another wide open wide receiver room in New York, he's going to have chances to play. So maybe he can improve and can do that. Uh, but just wasn't there this year in year one. Now, if you took him at the end of the first round or high second round, you were highly disappointed in him. Who's your top two buys for 2024? Top buys for me, this is, I'm going to go one cheap buy and one maybe more expensive buy, but Terry McLaren is the buy for me at wide receivers. He somehow with the commanders leading the league and passing, he just did not get the looks that I thought he would get. Taylor Heineke for all his flaws, absolutely force fed Terry McLaren the ball when he was there. And I loved it. McLaren just had a lot of games. He was just a no-show, not on his fault because he's a baller. The guy shows up. He's a team leader. He plays hard every game, but he just did not get the targets this year. If you have somebody that's down on him and is worried about the QB situation there in Washington, McLaren's a guy I'm buying. He was way too expensive probably the last two or three years. There might be a small buy window for him. So if I can, I'm looking to get him. My second guy is Darnell Mooney of the Bears. He's a free agent this year. Now, do the Bears go back and re-sign him? Do they let him go? Where does he end up landing? All these things will make a huge difference on his value. He was a guy that I I was buying a couple of years ago. I thought he had a shot to be a target hog before they uh, traded for um, for DJ Moore. I actually thought trading for DJ Moore would help Mooney because it take a little pressure off of him of being wide receiver one. He just kind of disappeared this year. It was a shocker. I mean, he was, again, one of those guys that was a pretty good player the last couple of years, and he was a pretty big disappointment uh, for this year. So depending on if you want to try to get him before the signing, uh, before he gets, you know, you figure out where he gets and get him cheap, or you kind of want to wait for the landing spot, I can understand that. But for me, he's a guy I think you might be able to get fairly cheap with a decent upside. So he's a buy for me. Yes, I mean there's some buys. I, I, I'm going to put out the obvious here. The rookies are from Drake London, JSN, uh, guys who everybody knows are going to be really good receivers. They're just on bad teams this year. The offense didn't quite fit the scheme. Uh, JSN had uh, a little bit, of, you know, you know, playing in a system where they ran the ball most of the time, first of all, and then having uh, Tyler Lockett, you know, kind of have a better season than, than people expected with JSN on a team. But JSN, as the season progressed, you could see him kind of taking over. I think he's going to have a Really good season next year, but a, a kind of a buy low guy that I'm looking at would be a guy like Chris Godwin. Like Chris Godwin is somebody who we know has the potential to be somebody good. We've, we've seen him, even with Baker Mayfield, catch tons of passes. First, It just became the Mike Evans season this year for, for whatever mm-hmm. reason. I don't know why they abandoned Chris Godwin. He showed flashes. He had some pretty good games when you needed him to, but he not, did not live anywhere near his potential. It's almost like he's got his contract. He's got, I think he's got another two, two, like, Two, three, I think it's a three years more in his contract, possibly right now, if I remember correctly. But uh, it, it's like they know that they're secure. Don't worry about it. We're going to try and get Mike Evans his thousand yards this season, and you know, we'll worry about you later, kind of thing. But it was like, where did where did where did they go wrong for Chris Godwin this year? Why couldn't he separate? Why wasn't he getting open? Was he double covered? Was it just kind of like, hey, you either make Mike Evans be the guy, or you know, nothing's going to happen here? 
I don't know. I don't. Chris Godwin separates very well too. I'm not sure why he didn't get open or why Mayfield, Mayfield couldn't find him or what the story was because I've seen Chris Godwin play like a like a all star top twelve tier one like mm-hmm. dynasty receiver uh, before, and this year he just vanished. I don't know what happened. Yeah, he could be a good buy. I like I like your idea of getting him at value. I, I definitely like that. Uh, what so sells for? Uh, wait. Yeah, you already did your buys. All right, so your sells for 2024. Who are you selling? So the first guy I'm sell- selling is Calvin Ridley for the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. He he finishes wide receiver 18, so he's got a high enough uh, upside, but he was really up and down this year. He had some monster games. He had some games he completely disappeared. Uh, we forget with the suspension and everything else that went on, he's 29. So in wide receiver years, that's not – you know, ancient by any means, but he feels a little bit older to me. Uh, 29. I'm not sold on him as the future of the Jags. I'm just not. If I can get decent for value for him, he's a guy I would move. I'm not selling him just to get rid of him. I'm not saying, Hey, like, you know, fire sale, sell Calvin Ridley, but he's a guy I could, I think the Jags are drafting wide receiver, maybe first round, probably definitely second round of the draft. You're going to get Christian Kirk coming back, who I think was good. Zay Jones uh, really beat up, up and down year this year. He was a guy I expect a lot more out of, but he was just he was just nicked up all season, never was fully healthy. You got Evan Ingram, who led all tight ends in receptions this year. I just I feel like it would be really easy for Calvin Ridley to end up being the odd man out there. Um, I could see, I definitely see the Jags going wide receiver in the draft. So again. I could see that really cutting into Ridley's production. I'm moving Ridley if I can. If I got somebody that loves him, I can get a first. I'm probably moving if I can maybe package him. Like, hey, I'll trade you a I'll take a first and a third. I'll give you Calvin Ridley in a fourth or something. I might be end up do something like that. But he's a guy I'm looking to move for that reason. The next guy that I'm I'm looking to possibly move, I'm worried about Jerry Judy. He a ton of skill. He was a guy I really like coming out. He just has not been able to put it together for the Broncos. Uh, he's still young. He's only 24. So I, I don't want to just completely bail on him yet. Um, I think there still could be somebody that's a believer in your league. Uh, th- that dude that would, you know, might pony up to get him. Big question is what, what does that return look like? So that, that, that to me is the issue. But I, I, Judy's a guy I would look to be possibly moving as well if I feel like I can get the right return and kind of reinvest in somebody new and younger. Would you trade away Calvin Ridley to get Jerry Judy or vice versa? Oh, man, that that almost feels like a one-for-one. I know. I would would (laughs) probably do – it feels like a one-for-one even trade. I would probably – if I was looking production – I'm probably taking Ridley. If I'm looking upside long term, what can I get? A five years younger Jerry Judy. I think I go Judy. I think Judy's the buy there. Um, but man, that one is tough. I think they're pretty close. I think Judy just because of he's five years younger. Um, the question is, is he going to be on the Broncos or is they going to trade him where he's going to end up? Because he's going to be pretty expensive here pretty soon. Uh, for a team to sign, so I probably lean Judy, but yeah, again, I'm not I'm not discounting those guys. I'm not selling them for scraps, but if I can get good value for them, I'll probably move them. 
I my cells would be Tyreek Hill just because of the fact that I don't think he's, you know, he's getting older now. He these injuries are starting to pop up, and he he's chasing a two thousand yard season, which obviously that didn't happen. I, I'm not sure this is going to happen again. It's 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 to, to have a, a a season like he had this year is almost impossible. Like you know, it, 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 he was on track to beat the record. That's obviously it's almost impossible when you're going for records, but. I, I just think he's not going to be able to do it anymore at 31 years old. You know, it's not going to happen. He's he's someone that – and he's at the highest value you're ever going to have him right now. He's the number one. He's probably what wide receiver three and most – maybe wide receiver four or five in most people's dynasty rankings. He he feels like Cooper Cup from two years ago. Yes. Where, like, if you're going to sell him, like, now's the time. You're going to get – this is where you're going to get absolute max value for him. Some contender is going to be like – I'm right there. If I added the 400 points from Tyreek Hill, I'll give up two firsts and two seconds or something crazy like that for him. But he's going to be over 30 pretty soon. Just the the type of guy he is and the way he talks, he just doesn't seem like a guy that's going to play into his mid-30s. He just doesn't. No. Newly married, a bunch of kids on the way. Right. Uh, I, 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 you know, who knows with the, with all the kids, maybe he plays longer than he, with all the child support, he has to pay for him. But I, he's a guy I could see. I really could see him being out of the league in three years. Um, two years. Just call, Cause you know, two, three years. Yeah. I can see him hanging it up. So yeah, if, if you have him and you're not contending, absolutely move him because this is going to be the highest window for him. I think he has another bomb year next year for the dolphins i think he's going to be great next year but again like you said john how how long is he going to stay at this level and how long can he stay healthy uh, so I, I like that sell for you he was just traded in the league i play in uh the guy was going for a championship so it was like december 23rd right before the the yep. and it was tyreek hill jerome ford and zach charbonnet was the guy who was trying to win the championship yeah and he gave away terry mclaurin jerry judy a 25 first, a 25 second, and a 25. Uh, so two 25 firsts, one of them early, one of them late, a 25 second, McLaurin and Jerry Judy for Tyreek Hill, Ford, and Zach Charbonnet. I, I like that return for the guy that was getting, uh, you know, if you're going for it, I like it with Tyreek yeah. Hill. And I like for the rebuild, I like that. I, I think that's a good move. I like McLaurin. Like I said, I he's a buy for me. Um, Judy, I think, again, if you're not having to overpay for him and getting those first. I like it, man. I think that's a good move. I like that trade all around. Who's your other, uh, your our last guy here of, the, of guy. this show? Uh, who who Who's your other self? It's Christian Watson. There's just too much stuff going on, and there's too many good players in Green Bay right now. They got two tight ends. Both of them are, are doing fantastic. They have 17 receivers. Every one of them it just it, it, it plays next man up every time somebody gets hurt. It's always somebody different. It's, it's Jaden Reed or it's you know people you never heard of before to come on the street and just – all of a sudden becoming somebody. It's like, what the hell is going on here? Even if Christian Watson does Christian Watson does find a way to stay healthy, which people with hamstring issues always have hamstring issues. I don't know why that happens. Look at uh, um, Darren Wall or guys like that who have hamstring issues. They don't go away. It's an entire career of problems. If you have problems, people find ways to get on the field and take your job, and that's what's going to happen in Green Bay with Christian Watson, I feel. He's just not going to be able to stay on the field, and he'll just be irrelevant. He'll be, a, a, you know – an eight game or 12 game a season kind of player. And half the time, you don't know if you can start him or not because he's got hamstring issues. Just someone, if you could sell him now for what people are buying him for, because he's still, you know, valuable on the market as far as like name recognition, I'd get rid of him right now if I had Christian Watson on my team, which I don't. 
Yeah, I agree. I tried to sell him. I didn't have him on a bunch of teams, but I tried to sell him last off season and I just couldn't get a solid return for him what I wanted. So I kept him, but I agree with you. Nothing scares me more than a guy whose complete game is wrapped around him being fast and he has hamstring issues. Yeah. It's the absolute worst. I mean, you can't, it can't be worse. I mean, your whole game is I am a speedster. I'm going to burn you down the field for deep touchdowns. I'm a go route guy. I use my speed and I have hamstring issues. I hate it. It scares me big time. Especially when you play outside on grass, when it's a, you know, in a rainy environment like Florida, you know, it's, it's, it's waiting for an accident to happen. I, I just, yeah, I just, he's a sell for me too. He was a sell last year. He's a sell again. If you can find somebody that'll take him. I was, I really wanted a first for him last year. Nobody would do it. Depending on where the picks come, man, if I could get two seconds with this wide receiver class coming up, yeah, I'd be willing to sell him for two seconds. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, I meant to say Green Bay, not Miami. But, yeah, Green uh, Bay, Miami. Yeah. I, I knew what you were. I knew what you meant. Terrible freezing cold environment with that, you know, that kind of rainy and snow all the time, man. It's just forget about it. You know, Midwest cities are not the best for hamstring issues. But anyway, thanks for thanks for uh, watching the show today, uh, Commissioner Evaluation. I'm John McGlynn on uh, X John McGlynn seventy five. That's you can find me. Uh, so JT, where can everybody find you at? I'm on the X at JT Orange. Hit me up there. Also check out my show, The Stew with JT Brew on DynastyProsFootball.com YouTube channel. Thanks for tuning in and have a good rest of your day.